Hello, my name is Sarah, and I am your chakra coach. On this podcast, we'll be exploring how the chakra system can help guide you to grow your emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual wellness, leading you closer to your highest self. Hi, everyone. Welcome. I'm glad you're here, and thank you for listening. How have you been? How have you been? I was sick this week, so I've been trying to take my own advice and rest a lot so that I can heal. I don't know if it's just me, but every time I'm sick, I feel like I can't slow down. Like like somehow the world will fall apart if I take a break. I am aware on some level that I'm really overestimating my importance. Uh, Not once has anything awful happened if I get some extra rest. And I know when I push through, I don't do my best work. So sometimes it ends up taking longer than it would have if I just rested and then done the project when I was feeling better. So I tried to take the suggestion that I give you every week, which is to take care of myself. And I did okay for the most part. And I also spent some time exploring why I feel the need to always be productive, which I've talked about many, many times on this show before. It's a recurring, it's a recurring thing for me. We all have them. Lessons that are hard to learn, but we keep trying. I'd love to know what your recurring challenges are. Let me know. Let me know. Email me at Sarah at yourchakracoach.com and tell me what your recurring challenges are. So every week in the intro, I say that we're going to do all this chakra work to lead you closer to your highest self. And then I talk about it and use the term on a lot of episodes. And I'm often purposefully vague about what that is, because I think that it's important that we each sort of make that determination for ourselves, what the highest self is. However, I was working with a client last week who wanted more explanation, a more detailed explanation of exactly what the highest self is. And she was right. If we don't define that, how do we know if we're closer or even on the right track? And will we know if we're there? As I thought about how to answer her without stifling her imagination, I realized that there were so many answers that the concept might deserve its own podcast episode. And here we are. Let's explore the idea of what your highest self is or could be. You may already know for yourself, and that's awesome. Honestly, I thought I did too. And then as I was researching for this episode, I found a few new ideas to incorporate as well as some wisdom in ancient texts that spoke to me. As always, incorporate what works for you and let the rest of it go. We all need different things in different moments. I started my research by just asking some people what they thought of when they thought of highest self. I asked friends, clients, (laughs) strangers in Facebook groups. I just wanted to get a feel for the ideas that were out there circulating around this topic. And I'll tell you what was funny. Uh, Even though I intellectually said to myself that everyone gets to answer this question for themselves, 
sometimes I got an answer and I had a knee-jerk reaction that it was wrong. And that was a fascinating thing to observe in myself. I obviously didn't say that to anyone. And as I reflected, I could get a better handle on why I agreed or disagreed. But it just, just goes to show that we all get really attached to what we think is right or wrong or good or bad. So as I go through these answers and throughout the episode, just notice how you react to an idea. I discovered that most of them had merit, even if I would have phrased it differently or have a different understanding of the highest self. Here are a few answers I got. Pure consciousness. Full balance of your own energy. Being content in each moment of your life while still having joy and being unbothered by low energy. Full balance in the physical and non-physical. Having complete awareness of your actions and flawless response to any situation. Being connected to source, mind, body, and soul. Being completely in tune with myself and the universe. Letting the Holy Spirit flow. I mean, that's a lot right there, and I'm just barely getting started. I looked at the commonalities to see if there was a contemporary understanding of highest self, and there are a few overarching themes. The first seems to be a feeling of oneness with the universe or consciousness. That's not so much what the highest self is, but a feeling you might experience as you move closer to it, more of a a state of being. The highest self in this way could be considered the part of us that recognizes on a vibrational level that we're not just connected to the universe, but part of the fabric of it. We can't separate ourselves from the universe. There aren't two parts, just one. And our highest self is the part of us that never loses that connection, that never loses sight of the bigger picture. The second commonality is heightened awareness, living in the moment, not to the exclusion of the past or future, but being in the flow of now. Again, it's not really a what, it's more of a feeling. This awareness allows us to be fully cognizant of the physical plane that we're living in and also being open to experiencing non-physical planes. You can take this as far as you like from a sense of otherworldly peace when you meditate or maybe you believe that you can literally visit other planes of existence. Ancient sages certainly believed that, and I'm not about to deny any of the sacred texts. If the highest self is the part of us that never loses connection to the universe, and these other planes are part of the universe, then when we're fully aware in our highest self, we would certainly be able to experience things that are beyond the five senses. But in a more physical sense, Our highest self is also fully experiencing each moment, being present in what we're doing, 
connecting to our highest self contributes to our ability to be mindful and being mindful contributes to our ability to connect to our highest self. It's, it's always present in us. It's not something that exists outside of us, which as a side note was something that a client expressed a little frustration over in the terminology. She doesn't like the term highest self because she feels it indicates status as if there's two parts of us and the part we're living in most of the time is lower or lesser. If it's a part of us, then we already are our highest self. And I thought that was a really good point. We don't have to search for something separate. It might help to think about it as tapping into a part of ourselves that we don't always access. There's a name for that in some of those aforementioned sacred texts. Uh, It translates to the true self, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But one thing that people seem to understand about the highest self, or whatever you like to call it, is that the connection brings increased awareness of both the physical and non-physical. The third thing I noticed in the descriptions was the repeated use of the word balance. I didn't even read you all of the answers I got because we'd be here forever, but that word was used a lot. The highest self is a state of balance between internal and external, upper chakras and lower chakras, whatever balanced energy feels like, responding to your circumstances rather than reacting to them. It's that breath between thought and emotion or emotion and action that we talk about in meditation. Many philosophies refer to this balanced state as being equanimous, being equal, not being too high or too low, stable, steady. This doesn't mean we don't have strong emotions, just that we don't let strong emotions rule our lives. We exist in a state of harmony with our internal and external circumstances. Again, it seems like highest self is a state of being rather than an actual thing, at least in the modern understanding. Highest self is the flow state where we feel connected to the divine, to inspiration, where we have full awareness of ourselves, the moment, and the universe. And we're able to balance all those aspects so that we function easily in the world without getting too attached to it, which sounds a bit like what the Buddhists might call enlightenment. The thing I want to highlight here is that, again, it's a state of being, not a moment, not a destination, not the end of the journey. We don't reach our highest self. We don't achieve enlightenment. We, we live in the space where we are our highest self. We live in enlightenment. There's a famous saying, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. The idea is Not that we depart from the world or we don't engage with it, but that we move through the world differently than we did. 
with that connection, with the awareness, with the balance. As the version of ourselves that is most in tune with the universe and who we want to be on a spiritual level. I hear a lot of people say best version of themselves, and I've almost certainly used that term before as well, but I'm rethinking it as I explore this concept. If it's helpful to you, that's great. But if thinking of yourself as somehow lesser now or not good enough now is discouraging, then we can find a different way to express it because the idea isn't to feel that we're not good enough now, but that we can move closer to our true self, neither better or worse, just more authentic. Which leads me to some studying I did about this concept in older spiritual texts. There's an idea that there is a kernel of true self, the self, capital S, that lives in us, that gets covered up by all the trappings of the world. The trappings are all the things that we think are are our identity, gender, physical appearance, relationships, expectations, jobs, socioeconomic status, all the things that we start to believe make us us, make us who we are, are just the trappings, the decoration, the coverings of that authentic self, and that the journey in each incarnation is to get closer to our authentic self. There is a passage from the Chandogya Upanishad, which is a part of the Vedic tradition in India, that says, A man is what his deep desire is. It is his deep desire in this life that shapes his life to come. So, let him direct his deep desire to realize the self. The self who can be realized by the pure in heart, who is life, light, truth, space, who gives rise to all works, all desires, all odors, all tastes, who is beyond words, who is joy abiding. This is the self dwelling in my heart. Smaller than a grain of rice, smaller than a grain of barley, smaller than a mustard seed, smaller than a grain of millet, smaller even than the kernel of a grain of millet is the self. This is the self dwelling in my heart, greater than the earth, greater than the sky, greater than all the worlds. I think that's a really helpful description, and I love how it describes the self as being both infinitesimally small and large. It's, it's of course, just a, a short part of a much longer passage, and it's one I use for my meditations pretty regularly. That's a practice called passage meditation. I have a video on the Patreon page about passage meditation if you're interested in learning more about that. But... The important thing to note is that the self can be thought of as the seed that is surrounded by your physical body, but it is great in that it represents all of the universe found in you. The self, authentic, true, realized, highest, however you want to term it, 
is not changed by the external physical world. It might not even be who we think we are. It isn't the words we use to describe ourselves. In another of the Upanishads, it's referred to as the shining self, the ultimate reality who is recognized by sages in samadhi. Samadhi is, according to some definitions, the place of total oneness, maybe even total zeroness, and it cannot be found by those enmeshed in life's duality. Now, if you're where I was when I started really digging deep into this and you're feeling a little overwhelmed by all of it, I feel you. I don't know about you, but it's tough enough just to understand who I think I am and separate who that is from who society and everyone else thinks I am. And then to have the idea that all those things might not even be true is a lot. It's no wonder that we can have trouble understanding the concept of highest self. I'm not sure that it's a concept that can be understood by our brains. Like how scientists have to use the brain to study the brain. It's like an impossible stairway of sorts. I started to give myself anxiety thinking about how I would translate everything I'd read and studied into something that would be usable for you. And I still don't know that I've succeeded at that. But what I realized as I meditated on it was that I needed to let go of understanding intellectually. Aside from the fact that I don't see how we could ever have all the knowledge that has been gathered over the centuries on the self, it isn't something that I'm going to complete my studies on. I'm not going to get to a place where I know exactly what the highest self is. And that's okay. Because maybe life isn't about knowing. Maybe it's about experiencing. It's about getting closer to the state of true self, whatever that is. And we can do that through all our practices, all the techniques that we use to grow. For me, that's meditation and study and an asana practice. For some people, that might be journaling or prayer or a gratitude practice or any of the dozens, probably hundreds of things we've talked about on this podcast and others that are available elsewhere. And I'd like to find a way to step out of the idea that the highest self is a goal, to move away from this patriarchal idea that I have to accomplish something or constantly be better than I am. I heard this amazing analogy the other day that I want to share. Trees grow because that's what they do. They start as a seed and grow to a seedling, then to a sapling, and then to a young, small tree, and so forth. But at no point do we berate the tree for not being at its fullest potential, nor do we expect it to go faster or be anything other than exactly what it is in the moment. We don't get frustrated that an apple tree doesn't look like an oak tree or that some trees lose their leaves in the fall and others don't. We understand the perfect quality of each tree and each stage in its development. But the tree doesn't stop growing. It changes and grows and becomes 
different versions of itself because that's what it does. Not because it wasn't enough of a tree before. And the core oak tree-ness of the oak tree stays the same no matter what it looks like on the outside. And that's how I'd like to picture the highest self and the journey. Rather than a journey upward, it's a journey inward. And a journey where each moment is perfect, balanced, and deserves our awareness. I feel like I might have created more questions than provided answer, but I also feel like that's okay. If you want to talk more about it, just reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Your Chakra Coach. Or, of course, if you prefer to email, you can reach me at Sarah at YourChakraCoach.com. I am always happy to continue the conversation. And remember to share this episode with a friend if you think they might benefit from it. For videos and meditations and other bonus stuff, uh, you can head on over to the Patreon page and support the show. I'll probably put some other passages up there and videos if you're interested in that and you want to talk about that uh, meditation style again. As always, I appreciate you and I thank you for listening. Have an amazing day and I'll talk to you all next week. Bye.